This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hey everyone, Shalom Aleichem. Um, so we're going to talk tonight a little bit about the Meraglim, this Pashas. Actually in America, it's um, this week is Pashas Shlach. And um, we're also going to talk a little bit Pirkei Ovos and Pirkei Gimel. Um, I just would like to comment a little bit on reaction of two weeks ago when I said uh, I think it's time to leave and the world just blew up after that I don't I don't even know why the world blew up like that that it's a big Kiddush that um, we want Mashiach we want the Shekhinah we want to be an Eretz Yisrael I, 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 don't, I don't understand the reaction but I guess um, everyone was looking to everyone's looking to go so when they heard that they're ready you know ready to pick up and go I, what, what, I, what I want to tell everyone is that before, unless you're really, really impulsive, normally before you do a maisa, there's a machshava. For all those who don't know what that means, that before you do an action, there's a thought. You have a thought, and then you take that thought. Lo ha-medrashe'ika, el ha-maisa. Not the thought is the main thing. We're going to talk about that tonight very, very much. Um, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts. And a lot of people are like, I thought about that. I would have done that. Why didn't you do that? Uh, I don't know. But, you know, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of good deeds that are done in, in Kleistrel. And, um, everybody, everyone could have opened up an organization like that. And people said, I remember when I opened up Ornava, they're like, I was thinking about that, you know, seminary girls, and ah, ah, I was thinking about that. And everything that, that the person does, I was thinking about it, but, 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 Lo It's not the thought that counts; it's the action that counts. But usually, before an action, a good action, there's a thought. Um, what I was trying to say two weeks ago that everybody picked up seven minutes; they didn't listen to the whole share. I wish that not talking in shul and not making kiddush clubs and not talking lashon hara and kibbutz of aim would go viral. For some reason, the radio stations and the the um, the stations online and the stations in Israel never picked up anything from my shirim about kibbutz of aim or or getting close to Hashem, but this they picked up. Okay, um, that we should all at least have the thought. So so even though it's taking so long, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about Mashiach, so that when he comes, we can take the action. So my point two weeks ago was to put the thought in your mind. Because before the actual action, there has to be a thought. A thought of maybe it's time. And that's really what I was talking about. At least have that. There was a big pushback. Like, chutzlaretz, and you could have an aliyah in chutzlaretz, and things I don't, I don't even understand some of the... The reactions, Baruch Hashem, I don't have a smartphone, I have a flip phone, so I didn't really see the reactions, I just, I just heard about them. But, um, I, I don't stand the reaction like, who doesn't want Mashiach? Who doesn't want the Shekhinah to be gully? Who wants to be stuck in any gullus? So when you say it's time to leave gullus, we should all be like, yeah! Well, you know, it's it! Kibbutz Goliath, Mashiach's coming, we should all be excited. Why, why negative reaction? I don't hop, I don't understand it. But I guess people have to have reactions. But my, my, my thought process was just to put it in everyone's mind, at least think about it. 
At least think about it. Because before you do something, you usually think about it. Then make your decision. And everybody has Rabbanim, and you have families, and you have Panosses, and everyone has to make their own decision. No one's allowed to judge. I spoke in, in the Israeli station. Uh, I, I actually spoke for Yemima Mizrahi um, in Eretz Yisrael, and it was, I guess it was live. And I said that, I told the Israelis, like, because they got a lot of reaction, a lot of emails, like, what's with the Americans? Why don't they just pick up, like, you know, make Aliyah and drop everything? And I was like, I said to her, I said, and, and, there were, there were a lot of people listening. I said, listen, all you people in Israel, I, I hear what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. But you need to know something. That's brought down that, uh, we know that Avram Avinu had 10 tests, 10 this year, no, 10 trials. And Mamleyan brings down the, the list of the trials and which were the hardest. The hardest trial was Akedas Yitzchak, to bring your child. What was the second hardest trial? The second hardest trial was Lech Lecha. So they asked, that's the second hardest trial. Hashem said, listen carefully, I want everyone to hear this. Hashem said, right, leave America, leave your birthplace, your family, your language, your business. That's what Hashem asked everyone. But, to the land that I'm going to send you, but I promise you that in the land that I send you, you're going to have a child, you're going to be the head of the nations, you're going to be very famous. You're going to be very, very wealthy. So it wasn't like, just leave where you are and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. It was, I'm telling you that where you're going to go, I'm going to bless you. All the biggest brachas. That's the second hardest trial. That's harder than jumping into a kifshin of Eish. That's harder than, than jumping into a furnace of fire for Hashem. Hashem's telling me to leave, and He's taking me to a better place. He's taking me out of a snowstorm, and He's bringing me to Miami. Right? Yes. That's how hard it is. And that was Avram Avinu. And that was Hashem. That's some rabbi talking on uh, Torah anytime. It was Hashem telling Avram to leave, and where you're going is going to be amazing. Amazing. And that was the second hardest test. And that was for Avram Avinu. So I told all the people in Israel that were sending all these emails judging the American people, please don't judge the American people. It's, again, everyone has to make a choice, but it's not easy to leave your birthplace and the place that you're used to. And we see that, was a very, very big test for Avram Avinu. So nobody should make any judgments. Those who go should be benched. Those who don't go have their reasons, have their Rabbanim, whatever. I'm not, I didn't, that's not why I said what I said. I just said, thought process. Your thought process should be, Mashiach, the Shechina, the, the, the should be Nigla, Hashem Echad, Rishmo Echad. They didn't play that part of the hour share that I gave. But that's, that's where your head should be. And then there's Maisa, there's Machshav, and then there's Maisa. Okay. Um... I would like to talk about um, the the tzedakah that I've been talking about um, for the last couple of weeks, and that's um, that's the daily giving, which um, you can go online to uh, dailygiving.org, not that dot com, but daily giving one word dailygiving.org, um, and uh, they're at they're at about three thousand dollars a day, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because if you look at the numbers of people listening to Shirim, 20,000, 30,000, 10,000, 
whoa, and there's so many Baruch Hashem Yidin, why are there only $3,000 a day um, being given to tzedakah? And, and I have to say that, well, what could you compare daily giving to? Machzitz HaShakal. Why Machzitz HaShakal? We know the whole Klai we had a mitzvah, Pajikisisa, that you had to bring uh, Machzitz HaShakal that went to three different parts of the Beis HaMegdash, three different parts of what was needed in the Beis HaMegdash. But why would I compare uh, daily giving of all the organizations, why would I compare that to Machzitz HaShakal? Because it says that the usher shouldn't give more than a half a dollar, and the and the ani shouldn't give less than a half a dollar. It was a tzedakah that Hashem wanted everyone in Klai Yisrael should be equal. So yeah, this rich guy is like, oh, based on Megdash, I don't want to give three half a dollars. I want to give a hundred thousand dollars. Hashem said, no, Machzah Shekel is three half a dollars. And the poor person is like, three half a dollars. I don't know. I want to give a half a dollar. Hashem said, no. Three half a dollars, even if you're poor, you have three half a dollars. So it, it, it made Klai Yisrael into one. And by the way, if you take the gematches of those two, of the, the Gvir not giving more and the poor man not giving less, they're the exact same gematches. The Kosh Baruch Hu through Matzah wanted to make everyone equal. There are many tzedakahs that, that you have to give $36 or $18 or whatever, this is one dollar, one dollar a day. So, if you're very rich, one dollar a day. If you're very poor, one dollar a day. The poorest person can give four quarters a day, can give one dollar a day. The richest guy can definitely give one dollar a day. That's all they want. Of course, if you would give more, but if that's all they want. So, this organization is different, and the reason I push it and I push it and I push it is different because it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, or a girl or a boy, a little kid getting allowance, or an older person who has money in the stock market or real estate or whatever it is, every Jew can give a dollar a day, and therefore it sort of unites us, and that's why there shouldn't be $3,000 a day, there should be $20,000 a day, $50,000 a day, $100,000 a day. At least ten thousand people should be giving or more a dollar a day. So it's it's a good thing because you don't have to be rich to do it. And and um, and if you're very rich, they're not even asking you for more than a dollar. So let's uh, let's pump it up. We're at three thousand dollars a day. Tomorrow, I want him to call me and tell me he's at ten thousand dollars a day. Then I know that we're getting across. Okay, that's one. There is another organization that I want to talk about tonight. I've never spoken about it, but. Um, Robbie Newman in Queens happens to be a very close friend of mine. He is a tzaddik, amazing tzaddik. If you ever get a chance to speak to him, the happiest guy. Um, he has an amazing, an amazing tzedakah. It's, it's actually, he does it in Queens, but it's, it actually goes through Yad Eliezer. Um, it's called Chicken for Shabbos. I remember the first time he told me that. He was like, Chicken for Shabbos. I know a guy in Eretz that goes around chickens for Shabbos, but he has this organization, Chickens for Shabbos. It's, th- it's through the Young Israel of Q, of Q Garden Hills Charity Fund, and um, it goes through it goes through Yad Eliezer, and they do it. He called it Chicken for Shabbos, but it's way, way more, um, way, way more than Chickens for Shabbos. They help Begunas, they help Gushes, they they have a Malamdim program 
which is amazing, where they specifically help Rabbeim, um, they help Rabbeim in Eretz Yisrael, and um, they, they just, he's pure, he doesn't take any money for it, there's no one getting paid um, that running the organization, or they're all volunteers, so every dollar that you give goes straight to straight to chickens for Shabbos. So it's a very big schus. And the check you make out, you've never made out a check like a check like this. It's made out to chickens for Shabbos. It's an interesting check, right? Um, so I'm going to give you the phone number. The phone number is 718-261-9723. 718-261-9723. And it goes through, he, in Eretz Yisrael, it goes through um, Yad Eliezer. So if you can get that phone, phone number... Or you can send the check to Young Israel, attention Rabbi Schoenfeld, they're at 150-0570th Road, Kew Garden Hills, New York, 11367. Again, the phone number is 718-261-9723. I'm going to ask my friend if next week I could give out his private number. Um, I don't know um, if I can, if I can give out Robbie's number um, for people to for, for people to call him. Amir Hashem. Okay. Um, I have one more announcement before we go we go into the shear. And that is about all the girls that are listening. Um, about my our our, semin- our seminary here in New York. I don't know what's going to be with Eretz Yisrael. If you can go to Eretz Yisrael, go to Eretz Yisrael, that's for sure. That's the best place. Um, but if you can't, so we have, Baruch Hashem, two seminaries. We have a Teres Nava, and then we have Benos Bina. Benos Bina is more of a Beis Yaakov type of seminary, Baruch Hashem, we're getting a lot of applicants, superstars, all the teachers are all Rabbi Tversky and, 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 and Daphne and Rabbi Grossberg and, uh, and Rabbi Friedman and Rabbi Ruven Abragamov and uh, Rabbi Ruven Epstein, who a lot of you watch, and Jackie Bitone, who a lot of you watch, this guy named Wallerstein, I don't know who he is, but I, maybe you should try listening to him. So we have this seminary, it's from uh, 9 o'clock every day till 1 Plus, you can get college credits in one year and three months. You can get a bachelor's in many different things. So, if you want to know about it, Mitzvah Hashem Monday night, and I'll be there uh, on the Zoom Monday night, the Mitzvah Hashem, uh, June 29th at 8:30. Monday night, June 29th at 8:30. All the girls that are out there, all the parents that want to know, um, we're going to be live on Zoom. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, live on Zoom, but whatever. And I want to give you the number, everyone. So take out your pen or take out your phone. The number to Zoom is 938-938-294-899-27. If you, if you don't have that number, just send ohrnaava.com an email and we'll, we'll give you that number. Again, it's Emirza Hashem Monday, June 29th. At 8.30, we'll answer all your questions. We'll give you a chance to talk to the girls who were there in the past to tell you what the experience is like. All right, you should be all, you should all be matzliach. That's all the advertisements for tonight. Now, let's, let's get into, uh, let's first get into the Pasha. This week's Pasha, Pasha Shlach. Oi! Good intentions! That went very wrong. What happened? What happened? There's many, many different Mepharshim explanations on what happened. What I found very fascinating is the reason 
that the Maraglim reported what they did in the way they did. They didn't lie about anything. Everyone has to know that. They didn't lie. They were giants. The fruit was huge. People were dying. The cities had no walls, which means they were very, very strong. You don't need a, you don't need a wall if you're very, very powerful. So the Moroccan did not lie. So what did they do wrong? What did the Moroccan do wrong? You send a spy, his job is to come back and report. So if he doesn't report what he saw, he's not a good spy. So all of you that are listening, what, what did the Moroccan do wrong? And why was Kalev ben Yefuna, Yoshua, we sort of understand. He's much Rabbeinu's Talmud, he's not going there. But, and he got a bracha before he left. But, what, why didn't Kalev fall with the rest of them? So what did they really do wrong if they reported what they saw? So let's look at the psukim. Pasik Lamed, Perakid Gimel, Vayahas Kolei Vesa'am. Now, they came, and they said, very nice, they opened up very nice. Vayisapulo, Vayomu, Banu Ala Aretz, we came to the land, Asher Shalach Tanu, that you sent us, Vagam, it's true, Zobat Chalvu Devash. It flows with, with milk and honey. And here's the fruit. So far, did they do anything wrong? No. Ephes, they're very strong people. Big fortified cities. We saw giants. Did they do anything wrong? No. They're just reporting. And they start giving... Amalek's in the land, in the south, Chiti, Vusi, Amuri, they're in the mountains, Haknani, they're on the water, Ayada Yada, and so forth, they're being perfect spies. They're giving positions of the enemy. What did they do wrong? At this point, they did nothing wrong. Now, Kalev, before anything could go wrong, gets up. Vayahas Kalev, Esau, Mel Moshe. Vayoma. Let's go. Time to go. It's time to leave where we're at. And to go where we're going. Be a so. And let's inherit it. We can do this. So he realized that by reporting that they're giants, and reporting that they're armies, and reporting that the armies are in the Yam, and they have a navy, and they have an air force, and they have all this, he realized that the Jews might be get, might get nervous, and they, they might, they might lose a Muna. Says Rashi, Pasiglamid. Allah Nala. Let's go up. Rashi says, you know what he was saying? Let's go up. Even if God told us, I want you to go to heaven while you're alive. Then we'd have to make ladders and go there. Because if God says you could do something, that me, he doesn't give you something. That's where that whole saying comes from. You don't get a test that you can't pass. 
There's a Rashi. That's where that, 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 that whole saying comes from, this Rashi. That if Hashem says you can come, you can go to, go to Shemayim, then there must be a way of getting to Shemayim. It's my favorite, my, it's not my story tonight, my favorite story, whoever is listening, with the tower, with the, with the steps, they got stuck at the 701st step, and there was an elevator because he knew the king, and the king told him, that's based on this Rashi, the king told him, you can make it, and, and the other guy ran down, and he stepped on the step, the next step, everyone knows the story, I say it all the time, because if the king, Hashem, tells you you can do something, you can do something. So if he gives you a test, doesn't mean you will pass. It's up, you have to have the Bechira to pass. But you can build, there's a Rashi, you can build ladders. Natsliach, Bechol Devaro. You can be Matsliach, whatever Hashem tells you, you can be Matsliach. So that's what, that's what I'm, that's what, that's what Kalev was telling them. Here was the big mistake, everyone, and this is the mistake that a lot of us make, and we're going to see an unbelievable story tonight. Unbelievable story. I, don't, I haven't said the story in 20 years. And here goes Klai Yisrael. Here goes, here goes the Meraglim. But the other Meraglim that were with Kalev, the other ten, Amru, they said, uh-uh-uh, lo We cannot, we cannot beat them, we cannot go into Eretz Yisrael. Ki Because they're much more strong than we are. Okay? Did Klai Yisrael at this point freak out, go crazy, start crying, and, 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 and no, no. So Kalev got up and said, you could do it, you could do it, we could do anything, we could climb to Shemayim, we could go wherever we have to, we could build ladders, if Hashem is with us, we are, we are on His shoulders, we can do anything. They're like, no. And then they go on. And they say that we went, and we, and, and the, 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 the land ate its own people because everybody was dying at that point. Um, they weren't really dying, but they were, they were burying everyone because at that point, Eov brought down the Medrash. They believed that the way to get to heaven, if you're not a good guy, is if you're buried at the same, if you're buried at the same time that a tzaddik is buried, he takes all his followers up to Gan Eden. They believed in that. And Eov was their leader at the time, and he was a tzaddik Eov, and the Medrash brings us down, and all these Canaanim were dying, and they weren't burying them, because they were bad, and the good, the, the head rabbi, the head, their head, Eov, was alive. It happens to be that when Kleisrol came in, Eov died, and therefore, there were thousands of, of um, funerals, because they were burying Eov, and they all wanted to be buried at the same time, so they, they, they said, everyone's dying, it's, 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 it's a disaster, it's a plague, it's a land of plagues. Everyone's dying. Fools. Hashem made Eov die then. They should all be buried so that they wouldn't see you spying. So they were busy doing funerals. Hashem, Hashem does that so many times. He, 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 everything is for our good. And we're like, how can you do this? And Hashem's like, I did it so they wouldn't see you coming into the land spying. I did it for your good. And meanwhile, the Jews are coming back and they're saying, no, it was, it was really bad. At this point, the class will go crazy? No. No. When did they lose it? I'll tell you when they lost it. We saw the giants. They were actually angels, but they, they were giants. Here it is, everyone. And in our own eyes, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's how we looked in their eyes. Next word. Vatisa, Kola Eida, Vayitnu, 
as Koilam, Until that point, Klaishol wasn't worried. But when their leaders said, in our own eyes, we're just a bunch of grasshoppers, and in the eyes of the giants, we're grasshoppers, the Jews lost it. How do you know what you are in the eyes of another? How do you know that in the eyes of the giants, you were grasshoppers? How do you know? So Rashi says, they heard them talking about the ants in the grass, because they were so teeny in Moroccan compared to them. But not grasshoppers. Everyone that's listening, if you think you're a grasshopper, that's what you project to everybody else. If you think you're a nobody, then you think everyone thinks you're a nobody. If you think I deal with eating disorders in, in my ranch and I've dealt with many girls, that, some boys even that have eating disorders, and if they think they're not skinny, then they think everyone looks at them and thinks they're not skinny. It's what you think of yourself that you project that other people think of you. So automatically, when they told, they're the leaders, they're the Nisim, when they told the Jews that in our own eyes we're grasshoppers, then what were the rest of the Jews supposed to think? If my leader thinks he's a grasshopper, and therefore the giants think he's a grasshopper, we don't have a shot. We don't have a chance. And that's when they began to cry. What was the Avera? What did they do so wrong to Hashem? That because, I mean, this is a nation that that, that said to Hashem, you took us out of Mitzrayim to die, you didn't give us water, that was one time, next time you didn't give us meat, you didn't give us food, continuously complaining. What happened here, that Hashem said, if you cry about this, I'm going to make you cry Tisha B'Av forever. It's a major, both of them destroyed on Tisha B'Av, everything that happened on Tisha B'Av, the Holocaust started on Tisha B'Av, what did they do so major? They've been doing stuff like this since they left Mitzrayim. We want to go back. I'll tell you what they did major. Kalev said, we are the children of Hashem. And if Hashem tells us to do something, even go to the moon, then start building ladders. Because somehow, those ladders are going to get us to the moon. And that was my thought in the beginning of my speech about, about Machshava. Kalev talked about Machshava. Think in your head that you can do anything that God tells you to do, because if He tells you to do it, then you could do it. The Muragdim did a much bigger Aveira than just talking Lashon Hara on Klai Yisrael. 
they took Lashon Hara and Moshe Rabbeinu the whole time in the Midbar. The very that they did is that they came to Klai Yisrael and said, No! Hashem is not that strong. Lo nucha Listen to the difference between Kalev and the Miraglim. Kalev said in Pasig Lamed, Ki We could do anything because we have God. They said the same words, but they said We can't do anything because even with God, we can't do this. And Hashem watched, which way is you going, which way is Kleistro going? You going with Kolev? Do you know that I could do anything? And that if I ask you to do something, you could do it? Or you going with the rest of them? And you have this nation, let's take it from Hashem's point of view. You have this nation of slaves, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, did 10 makis in, in the Haggadah, 250 makis in the Yam. You saw me change nature 10 times. You saw me split the Yam. You saw all of this. You saw me on Har Sinai. You saw that I could do anything. And you are accepting that you're grasshoppers? That's how you're looking at yourself? then you don't have my power anymore. Then you're a grasshopper. And a grasshopper has a tishabov. A grasshopper has a tishabov. And a Beis HaMikdash, it says that as long as God was in the Beis HaMikdash, they couldn't do anything, the enemy. He removed himself. Once he removed himself, it just was wood and 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 bricks and... And that they could destroy. Without Hashem, it's nothing. So the the argument here, everyone who's listening, was a much deeper argument. The argument between between Kalev saying that if Hashem tells you to go to the moon, you start building a ladder. Somehow that ladder is going to make it to the moon. You have nothing to worry about. Whatever He says, Yuchal, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And they said, No, you can't do it because because we're nobodies. We're nothing. How dare you call yourself a grasshopper when you're on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's back and he's carrying you? Grasshopper? A giant? What's a giant? He's made out of flesh and skin. I'm God. That was the deepness in this divide. And that's why that night became... A night of crying forever. Because on that night, the Jewish nation, which was greater and bigger than anything in the world because they're Hashem's children and they're connected to God, became grasshoppers. And potential not realized is tragedy. And that's why Tishabov is tragic. But it will become a yantif. And when does it become a yantif? It becomes a yantif when Mashiach, Mashiach is born on Tishabov. When Mashiach comes, it becomes a yantif. It's no longer a sad day. 
when Mashiach comes, everyone will realize, will be fixed. We're not grasshoppers in our own eyes. Self-esteem. I told a girl today, actually I was on a radio station in California today, and they said, if you have a message for all the women that are struggling with the situation right now, they have to take care of a million different things at home, what should we tell them? And I said, you should tell them that when a person wakes up in the morning, whoever's listening, definitely woke up this morning, or you wouldn't be able to be listening. Every person that wakes up in the morning, what's the moda'ani for? What's the moda'ani? Thank you, Hashem, that I got up in this morning. What happens if I have a, a miserable day? Well, my, why am I thanking you? I should thank you at the end of the day. Thank you. I had a great day. But I don't know what's going to happen today. Why do I say moda'ani in the morning when I wake up? I should say moda'ani when I, when I go to sleep. I say kriyashvalamita. I don't say moda'ani. It's a beautiful saying that a person who wakes up in the morning, God is saying that without you in the world today, I would not have my world. Because if Hashem didn't need you in the world that day, you wouldn't have woken up. So every day when you wake up and open your eyes, you're saying, thank you Hashem that you gave me back my life, because by giving me back my life, what you're saying, king of the world, is that your world can't exist without me. Wow. Now i got to figure out why your world can't exist without me. I'm sure it's not about eating pizza, as my Rebbe would say. So that's amazing. So you look in the mirror in the morning, the first person you should smile to in the morning is yourself. And you should say, wow. I got up this morning, as Hashem said, that the world needs me. Well, I wouldn't have gotten up this morning. That's amazing. Nah, I'm a grasshopper. I can't do this. That's what the Moraglam did. You can do anything. If you got up in the morning, you connected to Hashem, it's a very, people don't know this Rashi, it's a very fascinating Rashi. Rashi's saying that if God tells you that He wants you to go to heaven alive, Rashi says start building ladders. I'm going to build a ladder that's ridiculous. My ladder is 10 feet tall. But Rashi's saying, I'm not telling you how it's going to happen. But if Hashem says, come to Shemayim, build a ladder, it'll happen. And if a person believes that, you're not a grasshopper. There's a famous story um, I heard many years ago. There was an eagle, and um, it was carrying, last week's share, it was carrying its baby, it just had a baby. It was carrying its baby on its wing. And it was being hunted by hunters. And he knew, the eagle knew, that the hunters would kill him and the baby. So it was looking for a place to put the baby. But the baby couldn't feed itself. And it flew over a farm. And there was a chicken coop. And he saw the, little, the white little chickens and they had feed. You know, the farmer puts out feed. And he figured, you know what, let me leave my eagle, my baby here. Uh, at least I'll have what to eat. And if, um, if I don't get killed, I'll come back. I'll pick it up. Well, he drops this little baby eagle amongst the chickens. And he gets shot and he gets killed. So this little eagle grows up with the chickens. It's a baby. It has no idea that it's an eagle. And it's surrounded by chickens. And it gets fed every day. And he doesn't see itself in the mirror. 
There's no mirror for chickens. So it thinks it's a chicken. And this eagle, huge thing, is hopping around like a chicken for years. Hopping around, not flying. And one day, an eagle flies by and it's flying over the farm. It's like, what's going on? There's an eagle with the chickens. So it swoops down to see what's going on. Why would an eagle be with the chickens? And the eagle says to this eagle that lands, like, what are you? He says, I'm an eagle. He says, you're not a chicken? He says, no, I'm not a chicken. I'm an eagle. And, and you can fly? And the eagle says, you're also not a chicken. You're an eagle. And it teaches the other eagle how to fly. And of course, it doesn't anymore go to a chicken coop and hop around. It soars in, it soars in the sky. We're all eagles. But we're living like chickens. That's what happened over here. There are a bunch of grasshoppers and Kalev is building ladders to Shemayim. He's flying and you're hopping. You're Chagavim, you're hopping. And he's by Yahas Kalev, what are you talking about? We can go to Shemayim. We're eagles. We're so used to living in Gullus that we're hopping around. We don't realize our power of spirituality, our power of prayer. We don't realize who we are because we're, we were dropped by an eagle. We were dropped. When the Beit Hamidrash was destroyed, we were dropped in Gullus. We were dropped where the chicken feed is what's important. And we're just hopping around. It's about money. It's about houses. It's about cars. It's not about spirituality. I'm talking to myself. We got so used to that. And Hollywood and fashion and, and what they're selling us. That's important. And we're hopping around like little chickens. And we're, we're thinking of ourselves as little grasshoppers. And I can't be a guddle and I can't be this and I can't do that. And, and we don't realize that we're not chickens, that we're different, we are different, and we can fly, and the greatest sickness of, of this generation is self-esteem, the lack of self-esteem, the lack of self-esteem brings to depression, the lack of self-esteem brings to anxiety, the lack of self-esteem brings to jealousy, Brings to copycat life. Because I don't think I can do anything. Brings to failure. Brings to lack of potential. If you think you're a grasshopper, then you're going to project to everyone else that you're a grasshopper. If you think you're a giant, then you're going to act like a giant. This is what happens here. The Sultan sold Kleistro that in our own eyes we're grasshoppers. I saw greatness this week, and she's listening to the shear, and I definitely want to give her a shout out. Dealing with a girl who was struggling, we'll call it with a device. Devices, technology, whatever it is. Struggling, and She had the strength to get rid of it. 
And then, after you make that step, you have the machshava, you have the thought, you get rid of it, then you start feeling bad about it, and you try to get it back. So, I told her something that I think is very important, and she realized that she's much greater and much bigger than she thought. She never thought she could do that. And now she's even bigger because she did it. So I'm, I'm not going to get into the, to the details. Um, I know somebody that was learning, was a Rebbe, but he went to movies. He listened to rock and roll. He watched TV at night. He read English books. And felt that he needed that for, he needed the books to read. And Shabbos was very long and he liked reading those science fiction books that he was reading. Uh, movies, he went out once in Shabbos with his friends. Television, he felt when he came home he needed to unwind. And um, he loved music, but he didn't like Jewish music. And had many discussions and he said, I, those are not things, I don't do really anything really bad. Those are just things I'm not ready to give up. And I said, why don't you just give up one? I'm not asking you to give up. Give up one. You're a Rebbe. Maybe you shouldn't go to movies and to Shabbos with your friends. I love it. It's, it's social. It's this. It's that. I need it. Try it. Okay, I'll try it for a month. Four movies I'll give up. And he did. And then another month. And his friends gave him a very hard time. And they said... They didn't say, well, we're very proud of you. They said, you're going to end up going back anyway to movies. Why should we miss <laughs> those four movies? Why should we miss it? And they bothered him for a whole year, but he didn't, he didn't break. And then once he didn't break, they looked at themselves and said, well, if he can do it, why can't I do it? They ended up even becoming more religious than he is. And he gave up the movies. And he was shocked. He was shocked that he was able to do it. And then all of a sudden, he gave up watching television. He told me, he gave up watching television. And then, months later, he gave up reading English books, and he started reading Jewish books when he went to sleep, or on Shabbos. And then, the hardest struggle was his music. And that took a lot longer. And I want to tell you how he was able to do this. He didn't think he, didn't think he has the strength when he found the strength to give up one, he built on that and said, well, if I could do this, I don't know if I could give up television. Let me do the same thing. Four weeks, no television. And when he realized that he could do that, he said, oh my gosh, I don't go to movies. I don't, I don't watch television, but I am still have a life. I'm still okay. I'm going to stop reading those books. And then when he realized, I gave up movies, I gave up television, I gave up these books... I am much stronger. I'm not a grasshopper. I am much stronger than I thought I was. I'm going to try to give up non-Jewish music, even though I don't like Jewish music. Four weeks. All right, well, I'm getting a headache. I'm nervous. I'm in the car. I'm like, hey, you felt like that about movies? You felt like that about television? You felt like that about your books? Anyway, to make a story short, this guy is not... He's not gone to a movie, watched television, read an English book, or 
listen to non-Jewish music probably right now I would say 15 years. How did he do it? By, by taking a step, looking in the mirror, and realizing that I've got the power. It's not like an advertisement, but... I've got the power to stop! One, one of the things in rehabs, in drug rehabs, is they show you that you could go 30 days, 40, 45 days, 90 days, you could do it. You think you can't do it, you could do it. I want to tell you something, I'm not advertising for the ranch. I want to tell you something about the ranch, which came up yesterday, I was up there yesterday. So we have a rule. A rule. You can't have, your, when you come to the ranch, it's like, it's, a lot of rehabs have that rule, but not as strict as we are. As long as you're in the ranch, you cannot have a device. You cannot have your phone. That these girls are willing to give up their phone, I was like, I don't know too many adults that for 30 days can be without their phone without getting crazy. But they hand in their phone. They don't have a phone. And one of the girls who's there already now a year, she's there a year, she said to me that, do you know that I, I haven't had a phone for a year? And Wallstein, I didn't think I could live without a phone for an hour. I really think when I get out of here, my life is going to be very different. I don't need the phone anymore. I learned. I said, do you know where that's going to take you? That you now know that you can be without a phone and still have friends and still be a functioning human being? That you have that inner strength? That's going to take you in many, many other places where you're going to look in the mirror and say, I am much stronger than I thought I was. I could do this also. Those are the ladders, everybody, that Kalei ben Yefuna is talking about. I think Rashi is talking about emotional and spiritual ladders. Not that Hashem wants you to step into Shemayim with your feet, but if Hashem says, come to me in Shemayim, on your spiritual level or emotional, whatever level, not physical level, the way to do that is to start to build ladders. What is ladders? Why doesn't he say, build a road, build a ramp? Why? A ladder. Why not steps? Why did Jacob Avino have a dream? And in that dream, he saw a ladder. Why does Hashem, Malachim, I don't think go up a ladder. I mean, it's, it says it, but uh, there's a lot of angels, and um, it's slow, slow to extend on a, on a ladder. Why didn't he see a, a road, a road, the road to heaven? Right? The road to heaven. A ramp to heaven. An elevator to heaven. Why a ladder? On a very big side, they said something very beautiful. A ladder is, ste- is a step at a time. Spirituality, spirituality is a step at a time. Yaakov Avinu in his dreams saw the ladder was on earth. You're a human being. You're not an angel. But the top of the ladder, the top of the ladder is reaching God. Wow. 
you mean that if I take a step at a time, I could reach that level? Yes, Yaakov Avinu Hashem said, the bottom of the ladder is on earth. The top of the ladder is me. You could get to me. What does Rashi say? Build ladders. So now all of you that are listening to us have a big question. Moshe, you have a big question. So why not steps? Steps is one step at a time, just like a ladder. Why a ladder and not steps? Why not the stairway to heaven? So the answer is that steps, when you go down steps, you look down. So when things are not good, you're not looking at Hashem at the top of the... You're looking at the bottom. You're looking at earth. You're looking at grasshoppers. You're looking at Moragam that say, we can't do it. A ladder, whether you're climbing up the ladder or going down the ladder, you're always looking up. You go down a ladder, you're looking up. You can't turn around, you fall off the ladder. So when you go up a ladder, you're climbing the ladder, you're looking up. When you go down the ladder, you don't turn around, you're looking up. So Hashem said, whether you're going up or down, always look to me. Because the bottom line is that even if you're going down, I'm connected to you. And that's what Kalev was saying. They're giants. And it may be hard. But if God says you can do it and you're on the ladder, whether we're going up, whether we're going down, whether it's a struggle, whether it's not a struggle... You are on a ladder that leads to God. So just take another step. Now this girl took a big step. And that step, I told her today, will just lead her to another step. That inner strength, I told her when she was struggling that one day I wanted to work for me. But to work for me, you got to go through struggles so you can understand other people's struggles. So I told her today, you're in. You're a little young right now, but you're in. You struggled. You beat it. You want it back. Normal. you got to look in the mirror and say, want it back? I got the power to give it up. I'm not giving that power away to anyone. I'm not going from someone who's building ladders to God to a grasshopper? I'm not a grasshopper. I'm not a grasshopper. That was the mistake of the Oragma. Once they said, in our own eyes we're grasshoppers, Kleistrel fell apart. If that's what my leader thinks of himself, what am I? I'm nothing. And that's what we need to know. And that, the times that we're going through, whatever we're going through, doesn't matter. Vayahas Kolev. Kiyachal! We can do this. Everybody, we can do this. We're connected to Hashem. Start building your ladders. Give up something to give you the power to give up something else. Do something to give you the power to do something else. And that's my story tonight. Just before we get to the story, the story is based really on a Mishnah. The last Mishnah, well, second to last Mishnah, Peri Gimel, Mishnah Chav, Chav Beis. And I read, the, I'm learning this Mishnah tonight in honor of this young girl. Her name is Peril. She's a pearl. Pearl is made through pain from an oyster. It secretes liquid around 
the pebble that's annoying it and aggravating it, and it c- creates this beautiful jewel. It's the only jewel that's made that way, through pain. Other jewels come from the ground, not painful. And I read her this Mishnah. Listen to this Mishnah. Kol shit, who are you, Aymer? Allah ben Azayah said. Kol shit, if you're a dreamer and you think all day and you have all these ideas and you're very smart, but you don't do nothing. What do you compare to? You look good, you speak the, you speak the, you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. You look good. You talk well. So you have big branches. Everyone's like, wow, big tree. What you don't see, you don't have actions. You don't have a good self-esteem. You're like, you talk big, but deep in your heart, you don't, you don't have the ability to do anything. So you have little teeny roots. What happens? Trauma, problems, negativity shows up. Garkato, it totally, totally uproots you. Because you don't got your roots. Well, fakto aponov, it turns you over on your face. It flips you. You get depressed. You get anxious. You don't think you could go further. Shanama. Like it says in the Pasuk, And it will be like an isolated tree. You're an isolated tree. A person in Kabbalah is compared to an eighth Hasada. So you're a tree. What is that, everyone who's listening? What does that mean that you don't see that good's going to happen? That's depression. Mission's talking about depression. You don't see anything good. It's just, life's over. It's bad. Nothing good's happening to me. And you dwell in parched sand in the desert. In a land that is salted and uninhabited, like a land that's like Sedaim. What's the, what's the metaphor? In Sedaim, after Sedaim was destroyed because of the salt and the sulfur, nothing can grow. A person who's broken and who has no roots, there's no potential. Avol. A person, he's not, he's not thinking all the time, he's not so smart, but boy, he does a lot of good. Action. What is he compared to? The Elon, where a person, again, a tree, he doesn't have, he doesn't talk so talk, doesn't talk so big, he's got small little branches, little branches, no big deal. But Shirash Marubin. Because of the deeds, because of the steps that he took, because they got rid of his technology, he took the step, because he went, didn't go, he stopped the movies, or whatever it is, he stopped talking Lush and Hari, he started Kibbutz of the Aim, he stopped talking in Shul, whatever it is. He did a Maisa, he did an action, it's not talk. So he's got roots. Even if people insult you, degrade you, embarrass you, all the winds of the world, boy, but nice boy. Try to blow him down. Ain mazizin oisemim kaimai. You can't even move him a drop. Person who takes steps, who, who's in action, who does good, who does deeds, that doesn't just talk about it and read about it and think about it, but he actually does it, can handle anything. Listen. Shanema. It's like a tree planted by a river. And to the stream... It sends its roots. It's not scared of the heat. 
because the heat doesn't affect it because it's roots. Again, heat, trauma, problems. That's the heat in a person's life. You're not scared of it. And and it it's 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 its leaves grow, and in the year where there's no rain, it doesn't worry because the roots are in the river. It doesn't even need the rain. And it will never stop from bearing fruit. What a Mishnah, what a metaphor. A person who does deeds, because the deed that you do shows you your inner strength. So you begin to grow these roots. Even trauma, and even your Rebbe says something to you, your wife says something to you, your husband says something to you. Online they're beating you up like crazy because you said something, whatever it is. It doesn't move you. Because you have roots. And even in a year that you're not doing well, it doesn't move you. Because your roots are in the water, the metaphor for the Torah, Mayim's new Torah. Your, your roots are in the spirituality of the world. You're a Kalev. Yuchalo, we could do anything. Because I'm connected to God, I could do anything. Not lo yuchalo because I'm a grasshopper. I'm a giant. I just got rid of my device. I'm 16 years old and I made a decision that 50-year-olds can't make and 60-year-olds can't make. And now I'm thinking of going back and taking the device back. So I need to look at the step that I took to give me the strength not to take the device back. We end with this story. One of my favorite stories. Moshe, you never heard this story. Very, very deep story, short story. It's in Sipure Maisois from Nachman Rebreslov. And it's called Meiravu Ben Yachid. It's about the rabbi, and I'll say it very fast, and the only child. the story about a rabbi who had no children. And then he had a son, a Ben Yachid. And the Ben Yachid grew up, and he got married, and he sat in the attic, and he learnt, and he davened. And he became a big Tamachacham. But he felt, this boy felt, he didn't have a Rebbe. He was learning on his own. He felt he was missing something. So, he heard that there's a rabbi somewhere, a great Rebbe, that he wanted to go to meet, to learn with. And he told it to his father. And why would you go to a rabbi and like any other father? He said, Aren't you bigger than him? And you're my son, you're, you have you have yichus, and you're a great rabbi, you know, Kalatira. No, I don't want you to go. Change your mind. We're not going. Okay, the son said, Ta, if that's what you want, he went back to the attic. He went back to the attic, again he started learning, and he felt, no, it's not, it's not working, there's something I'm missing. He went back to his father, and he said to his father, um, I really, really want to go, let me go, let me go. So, he said, okay. But, I'm going to go with you, because you're my only son, I've got to make sure nothing happens. So, they went, and they came to a bridge. 
And the father said, listen, if we go and we make it, it's a shemayim, but if something happens on the way, he's looking for like a sign, and something happens, then we're going to turn around. So they went to this small bridge, and one of the horses fell off the bridge. And the the wagon turned over, and they fell into the water, and they almost drowned. Amalei Aviv, Re'ei Sheinam Misnarik Beseder, it's been a Shemaim that this happened, you are not supposed to go to this rabbi. So, he went back to his attic. And, again, it just, he said, you know what, Tati, let's, let's try again. And he bothered his father, and he bothered his father, and they, his father said, okay, we're going to do it one more time. They can hear me? Yeah. The wheel of the wagon cracks off and the wagon turns over. This time the father says, that's it. That's it. I, now we have to go back. They go back and again, the son can't learn. It's two years later. He says, Ta, third time, I promise you, if this time it doesn't work, I'm not bothering you anymore. Okay? So, they go. And it doesn't turn over and they come, they're a little bit outside of the town and they come to a, an inn, a hotel, and they're sitting and eating. I want you to hear this. And there's a businessman sitting next to them, and they start to talk. And he's asking them, what are you doing? Where are you going? They said, there's a big tzaddik in the next town, and we're going to speak to him. He said to them, what? You're going to this rabbi? I just came from this rabbi, and I was there. He's not a rabbi. He was doing the worst of Eros. He's a faker. No, the father said to the son, you see, Hashem wanted to stop us those two times that we shouldn't go to this faker. Now let's get out of here. So they went home. When the son got home, he died. The son died. He came in a dream to his father. And his father saw that he was very upset in the next world. Because. So he asked his father, why are you angry at me? His father asked him, his son, why are you angry at me? And he said, you remember the rabbi we were going to? Go ask him why I'm angry at you. He woke up, he said, it was a, it was a stupid, stupid dream. It wasn't my son. He went back to sleep. The second night he came again, and the third night he came again, and he said, I will not rest in the next world, Abba, until you go speak to the rabbi that you're supposed to go to. Okay? So, he gets on his horse, and he's going back to see this rabbi, the, the father without the son, the son died, to see the rabbi. Listen to what happens. He comes back to the inn. 
right outside the town, and the same merchant that he had met that talked him out of it was there. And he said, aren't you the guy we met last time when I was here with my son? He said, yes, I am. For Amalo, in Tirzah, if I want, this seicher, this businessman said, I could swallow you alive. Amalo, ma'atomadabah. What are you talking about? The father said to this man, you swallow me alive? He said, you remember when you traveled with your son and the horse fell into the river? And you remember when the axle of the wagon the second time broke? And the third time you met me? He said, yes. He said, you were easy. You were easy. And... Now that your son's dead, go see the rabbi. This is a very strange story. So, as he was going to leave the rabbi, he says, I just want to tell you something. That your son was a very holy soul. And the tzaddik is a very holy soul. And if the two of them would have learned together, do you know who I am? I'm the Satan. And I stopped it from happening. Upatati, and he left. Nelam, he disappeared. And he had no one to talk to the father. But Nasav Arabal at Tzadik, and the father went to the Tzadik, and he said, Chavol, Chavol, what a loss. And what I had that I lost my son and I didn't bring Mashiach. The Satan is very smart. And he puts all these blocks in front of us. And he gives us all these crazy reasons for things. Don't make it easy. Take the next step. Listen to the Mishnah. The next step is a maisa, is an action. That's mitzvah, Guerrero's mitzvah means that if I do a mitzvah, it makes the next mitzvah easy because I empowered myself by doing that mitzvah. If I do an Avera, I disempowered myself and therefore I became a grasshopper and it's a lot easier for a grasshopper to do an Avera. And that's the lesson of this week. We need to take a step. We need to empower ourselves. And we need to start building these ladders step by step. Because those ladders lead to the top of the ladder. The Hashem needs of all of. And God is at the top of the ladder. May we all be zaycha to get to the top of the ladder and to build the Beis HaMikdash in Eretz Yisrael HaGdoshah. And to end this Golos, Bimheri B'yamenu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.